Welcome to the Talent Talks with Nowadays podcast, where you'll find inspiration and real career stories and expert tips for navigating the world of work. I'm your host, Nowadays, and I'll be asking professionals the questions you are curious about, helping you design the career that you deserve. Whether you're job hunting, looking to climb the corporate ladder, or seeking a more rewarding work experience, this podcast is a space made for you. Welcome to another compelling episode of Talent Talks Without Us. I'm genuinely excited to introduce you to an outstanding guest who's navigated the global landscape of business and leadership with extraordinary finesse. Our guest today is Nazli Ooz. A seasoned professional with a rich background in sales and leadership whose journey spans continents and cultures. In today's episode, we will explore Nasli's experiences working in diverse business cultures, her insights into sales leadership, and the valuable lessons she learned along the way. We'll also dive into her expertise and the unique perspective she gained while working abroad. So get ready for a conversation filled with wisdom, inspiration, and insights into global sales career. Hi, Naz. Welcome to Talent Talks Without Us. Hi, how are you? I'm very, very good. Welcome to the show. I'm happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. I hope you're excited and ready to share. Very. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> I was actually thinking that we can start a little bit from the beginning where you transitioned into a sales tech role. So you actually transitioned from a role at Michael Page to then a tech-focused position mm -hmm. as a sales development rep at LinkedIn mm -hmm. in Dublin. So mm -hmm. what exactly is it that inspired this shift and how did your early experiences shape your perspective on sales in the tech industry? Yeah, very good question. Well, Michael Page, for people who doesn't know, executive search firm. So, and different than the traditional recruitment companies, you go hunt for your own clients and then you place right people to the right positions. That's kind of how we work. And that inquires a lot of cold calling, a lot of LinkedIn news. And LinkedIn was relatively new. I was in Turkey at the time and LinkedIn was still relatively new. So what we were doing was one, find a role at LinkedIn that's posted by a company, then find who could be the hiring manager for that role and try to connect with those people. And people were working in the offices, so it was easier to call, call and find them. And then, of course, interview five to 10 people during the week so that you can find the right people to place any time to any role. So that's basically soft touch, soft launch into sales. And I really like the client facing part of it. And I really enjoy talk, going to the client meetings, meeting with them and basically selling them a service. And we were using a lot of LinkedIn and I love the tool and I love sales. I love cold calling. And when I saw the SDR role, sales development representative, which is maybe some for some people will think, oh, this is lower than what you've done. But I wanted to learn from the ground sales cycle. So I applied for this position, got the role. It took a very long time to get an answer. But anyway, when I moved there, I found out it's pretty much what we were doing. You needed to do a lot of cold calls. You need to get in front of a lot of people. Now you're selling software as a service rather than just a service. So that was the little change that I needed to adapt and learn the products that we were selling. But because I was coming from that like high pace, high volume, you have to talk to people job, it was a smooth transition because we were doing 100, 200 calls a day to be able to get right people on the phone and schedule meetings, qualify them and send them to our AEs. 
So I think that hard work and like, it's, I wouldn't say it was very, it was systematic, but a lot of time put. So we did a lot of calls, a lot of messaging, a lot of emails and like changing our messaging, but that like numbers were very important when you start the sales career. So that was, that shaped the rest of my sales career and my management style also, because I know if you put the numbers in with the quality, you will get your results. It might not happen overnight, but it will happen. So that's basically how I did the transition. And I had the most amazing manager, Aaron, which one made me like he was kind of my hero and I wanted to be like him. But, and I wanted to be a manager. So he was kind of the reason why I wanted to be BDR manager in the future. And I had an amazing team and I should have amazing people. And uh, so it was a very smooth transition. And uh, yeah, that's that was the start. Yeah. And I can imagine it sounds like it was a good ground kind of experience for sales overall. And and I can imagine that those kind of experiences still come with you today. Yes, exactly. And like SDR role, like or BDR role, it's an important part of sales. If you learn how to prospect, if you learn, put the time in, put the right content in, like be creative, you will be successful as an AE, you will be successful as an AM or RM, like account executive, new business or account manager as the existing client and as a manager, because then you will need to do the same thing to find the right candidate. So it never ends. And I think it's a good ethic and good skill to have for the being in the sales. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And something that I find very fascinating about your career is that you worked in several different (laughs) countries. So (laughs) both across Europe and in the US, which also means that you've gained a lot of deep knowledge in different business Mm -hmm. cultures and international work environments. So I really would like to know if you've noticed some big kind of professional differences and approaches and workplace dynamics and of course the cultural nuances between the different regions and of course how the experiences have uh, shaped your perspective on working globally absolutely different every country is different i'm originally from turkey so i started my career in turkey and it's a very different work ethic you work it doesn't matter what time you work it's you start at like let's say nine but you work until sometimes nine there's no like work-life balance at the time again this was 2012 so things might be different now I doubt it but it could be and you work a lot and you you take your time though you go for a little coffee break you take an hour to have lunch uh, but the dynamic is a little bit different when I moved to Dublin for LinkedIn and again my experience is reflective of LinkedIn perfect work-life balance I remember as Dublin is not a sunny city all the time when temperature went up to 25 degrees my manager was like you guys have to go and enjoy and I'm like but it's like 3 p.m like what do you mean we have to go out and she's like oh, go go it's like it doesn't happen often so you need to enjoy and I'm like okay this is very nice so it was relatively like we worked hard but we worked smart so I think that was a difference so we took our one hour break we go out to do a little walk we take like little breaks during the day, but whatever our task needs to be done, it was always done by the end of the day. And I don't remember working extra hours that often. So I think that was a very good shift and people are super helpful and you interact with a lot of different people. It's not just like you in my team or in my floor, my floor at the time was there were like French speakers, Spanish speakers. So we learned from different cultures, different styles. So I think that's the richness of working in a global EMEA headquarter. But then I think it's it's more laid back. It's more, 
Yeah, I would say it's more laid back. When I moved to US, my first shock was no one was taking an hour lunch break and everybody is having lunch at their desk. And I'm like, okay, I guess this is what we do. But at the same time, at 5 p.m. for LinkedIn, again, five or six people be work. They don't stay after long hours. But when they work, it's heads down. Not many breaks. It's just very heads down, very focused. Over time, I think things change. Like we start having longer lunches. We had a lot like cafeteria area where we can actually sit down. Things change a little bit throughout my New York experience also, but it also varies from company. So I think US is also a little more competitive. You have more companies compete for the same clients with the same product. So you need to be more authentic. You need to be more in some way, nicely aggressive with the, like you need to go after the clients you want stronger and more determined. And then I think there's like slightly internal competition too, but it's, I didn't experience a negative competitiveness. It was always friendly uh, competition. So I think those were some differences and also it varies, depends on who your, what your territory is, who your clients are. So I think that also impacts your experience, but yeah, overall, these were a few things that I've experienced. So exciting though, to move to different countries. I mean, I've also moved to different countries working, but You've definitely been in several <laughs> different countries, <laughs> yes. way more than me. And uh, yeah, it's fun to like experience different working cultures because like you said, it's so different from country to country. But I do have to ask out of curiosity, do you have a favorite working culture? <laughs> <laughs> I I think I would say I overall really like LinkedIn. It doesn't okay. matter where it was. I think the culture is so like so strong that mm-hmm. wherever you go you experience that collaboration that excitement I like New York I'm not gonna lie oh, I enjoy me <laughs> I enjoy <laughs> it even though it's a little competitive I I like it a lot yeah oh of course that was a great <laughs> answer because it also goes together with what you said company culture usually probably matters more than which country you're in exactly Okay, nice. And being in these different roles, of course, you've also had experience in leading different high performing sales teams in your Mm -hmm. previous roles. So reflecting on that, can you share what your leadership philosophy is when it comes to nurturing talent and driving exceptional performance within your teams? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, kind of what strategies you found effective in fostering a collaborative and motivated Mm -hmm. team environment? So I, I would say I always assume management is easier than it is because I, I was managing. I knew what is a good look like in my mind. But I think one thing I learned from really, really fast is just building trust with your team and understanding what they need rather than what you think is the best a little bit. So it's a little bit of both. And one of my leaders told me a very good equ- equation. It's credibility reliability, intimacy together divided by self-orientation equals trust. So you need to remove me out of the equation when you manage a team. And I think that was very important learning. Unless you have built a trust with your team, nothing happens. You might have the best team, but also like I was managing BDR, so it's a little bit different. So when you have this fresh graduates or like career changers, relatively younger talent, you need to build trust and you need to understand what their motivators are. What do they care about? What kind of communication style they understand and adapt better? Because I might prefer direct feedback. Do they prefer direct feedback? So like understanding 
where they're coming from, how they like like to be communicated, and getting really neat. But I like to understand what gets them in like up gets them up in the morning, what their motivators are, what do they get angry with, how do they like to be communicated, all those at the beginning of when I started managing them and then built something. And then I always seek feedback from them too. Like, do you feel like you're being heard? Do you feel like you trust me? So, and then with that, I adapt my style to resonate with them. But those are like few things like this and coaching. I always say I'm a tool for you to get where you need to go. Like I'm here to coach you, mentor you, help you, support you, be your cheerleader to get where you need to go. But you need to have that motivation, that excitement, that grit to get there. And then I'm there, we'll get there. And yeah, I promoted people in the past, uh, but also like even as a sales rep, I was coaching my peers if they're not performing as well, if they're new to the company. And I think, yeah, being genuine, coaching and listening to your team because they tell what you need to hear. Yeah, definitely. And I love that you said trust because I agree with you. It's like the one of the most important things to have uh, with your team. And would you say that it was as you would that you expected, like having a leadership role? Because it's so funny that you mentioned at the beginning that we have an idea of what it is, but then actually being in a role is so different <laughs> and challenging. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think also I was doing BDR management and then I built the whole function of BDR after that. It is not what I thought it would be. I'm not going to, like, I'm going to be completely honest. It's because... Times are changing also. When I was a BDR, it was 2012. You can call anyone and you they will be at their office. And we are a little bit of a different, like our generation, we worked hard. Work was more of our life. And I'm seeing Gen Z for Gen Z. Work is important, but it's not their life because they have experienced also like remote school life. And maybe they started their career remotely. So like, I think they have a different perspective. So understanding that, you're managing different people than you are was was a learning for me and not everybody will be as excited to be cold calling or like not everybody will be as excited to do these discoveries or they might not like to get a feedback so like understand like that was a little bit of a challenge and I thought if I'm being genuine and nice and you know still I'm very numbers driven so like numbers driven and show them okay this is how you will be successful they will understand but it doesn't work that way you need to go to their level wherever they are and then basically level set with them and then find the best way to manage them but that was challenging yeah 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 it's so funny because a lot of the things that you're mentioning is definitely something that I recognize in myself in my journey but it's, <laughs> um, it's fun it's really fun being a leader but also of course it comes with its challenges but just like anything really and and speaking of challenges I mean you've had a 10-year long journey in sales. And I'm sure that you've experienced a lot of ups and downs, you know, faced challenges, but also celebrated a lot of big victories. So what would you say, what are some the key lessons or experiences, both uh, positive and negative that have profoundly influenced your approach to both sales and leadership? Yeah, 
I think this is a generic one. Like everyone says that, but when you're in sales, you need to be determined and persistent. You need to have the grit and you need to have a thick skin because not everybody's nice and not everybody will be in a good day. You know, like you call someone and they might have a bad day and you'll be yelled at, but you can't really stop. So a few examples is when I moved to LinkedIn, I set myself a goal of like 15 Fortune 500 clients for a turkey level uh, that I wanted to close business with them. And some of them came faster than the other. Some of them I had to work for two years. And when I closed them all, I'm like, okay, now I'm ready for a new challenge and I'm to New York. But overall, it took me two years for some deals to get to the right person, get to the right level, find them on the right time, find the right message. But I think if I wasn't persistent, it wouldn't have happened that way. And then I was a top performer at LinkedIn, like Dublin office. When I moved to New York, I was doing a different, slightly different role from new clients to existing clients. So I thought it would be way easier. So I go with the style that I was working with a different market and different role to a different market. So, and uh, I couldn't hit my first quarter when I moved to New York. Uh, Second half of the second quarter, my manager is like, well, you're not pacing the way we wanted you to. So we want to put you in a pre-plan. And plan is performance improvement plan. It's a like life last resort before you're getting out of the business, basically. But pre-plan is before that. Pre-plan is tend to be shorter for two weeks. Plan is longer. Depends on a manager on a say. So it was definitely shocking. And I'm like, as a top performer, I get here, and now I'm in this plan position. What am I going to do? I allow myself not like to be sad for two days. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be sad now, and then I take a step back and I'm like, okay, what am I doing? That's not working. I review my processes, my discovery questions, my pitch, and I shadow the top performance in my team. And I had amazing colleagues that helped me see, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what you can do differently. So we listened to my calls with those peers. They get joined my calls. I joined their calls. And then I asked feedback from my manager. And I shortly realized the story I was telling them was a new business story. It needs to change and resonate to existing clients and American clients. They're completely different. I passed the plan in two weeks, which was I in my today when I look back, I'm like, that was that was smooth. But uh, it was stressful. It was very nerve-wracking. But I, when I passed that, I had a very good understanding of what I needed to be doing. And I never missed a quarter. I went to President's Club, so on and so forth. So I think being humble, always changing and learning, always like asking for feedback. And being humble is important because when you're successful, you're like, oh, I got this. But there's always like economy is changing. The way we sell is changing. You need to change and adapt and someone might help you more. So those are like a few things that I learned. And the power of network, like the one, one of the biggest wins I have, which was like, I think three, 4% growth with one client. It took me three years to close and I pulled in irrelevant people just because I knew they had a deal for different companies or like it was Microsoft deal. I reached out to those people asking for help, asking for feedback, use your network to get to the right people, have the grit. Be humble. I think those are like overall my teams and I something that I try to do no matter what role I am in. And if you're the best at what you do, more opportunities will come to you. It's kind of like my motto. Yes, yes. And it's so funny because I think every, almost every person that I've interviewed that 
is in a sales role in the podcast, have mentioned continuous learning because it's so important. Like you said, like the things, the economic changes, the market changes, the product services change, like everything changes all the time in the way that we sell has definitely changed the last couple of years. So we constantly need to learn and adapt to the changing environment. So yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. And um, I do have one question that I want to have your opinion and take on because it might be different at companies like, you know, LinkedIn or MongoDB, but within sales, especially sometimes that I could notice was it could be quite dominated by males or it's hard to find, you know, females wanting to be in sales sometimes, but it differs from company to company for sure. But did you mm-hmm. have a way of kind of champion diversity and inclusion within your teams? And um, yeah, what do you think or believe that organizations can do to create a more inclusive sales environments beyond just gender? I think that this is a very hot topic. So I, when I was working at LinkedIn, this is one topic that we discuss with all our clients because it's a hot topic. Everyone wants to do it. But it's not something, oh, I need to do it because I need to check the box. It's just you need, it's really important to have different perspective, different backgrounds, different views in your team. And again, I worked at great companies where there are KPIs. As a manager, you need to have some diversity in your team. But then it's really, as you get higher, sometimes it's hard to find those backgrounds, like different, like female or different ethnicity, different backgrounds. It's really hard to find because there's not enough. So uh, how can we, like LinkedIn had a very good program called Unlock. So they hire people from different backgrounds and train them to be in sales. It's a, a beautiful investment, but then you can tap into different industries, different backgrounds, and that brings a beautiful diversity again. And I, we have very good ERGs at both like LinkedIn and MongoDB, their ERGs where you can be allies and understand what their challenges and how you can be an ally, good ally. I think there's a lot to do. The hiring perspective, what I try to do, first look into my team, what skills we have, what personalities we have, what what is missing? Because every team has different spices that goes very well together. If you're missing one spice, it's not good. So understanding what that spice is and then going and saying, okay, I don't have enough female in my team. Okay, let's let's look at these skills and go after female. We don't have, I don't know, different ethnicities. What kind of ethnicities that we are missing? Let's go and hunt them. And I think that's very important. Same as MongoDB, we hired a lot of teachers for the BDR roles and they perform really well. It's just, we need to give different like people, like different backgrounds chances to do something that they haven't done before, coach them and support them. And if I don't see a representation of me in the higher management, I have doubts about those companies. And I think a lot of people will feel the same way because that means, okay, if there's same type of people in the C-level, there's no diversity. My, my voice might not be heard or I might not get there. So I think it's very important to have the representation from every background and every, again, gender, ethnicity in the leadership, in the lower level, from low to top. It doesn't just happen at the, at the bottom. It needs to happen up until the sea level. Oh, absolutely. All the way up. Because like you said, that, that also affects your motivational level. If you're eager and planning to climb the career ladder, but also having your voice heard, just like you said. So yeah, great answer. I'm sure 
that a lot will take note on that, (laughs) (laughs) on how to do that. But okay, so one last question that I have that I, of course, ask every single guest is what your personal top three career tips are. Okay. I think one thing that is really important, and this could change, but having a big goal, right? Let's say I want to be a CEO for a health tech in the future that does XYZ. So have a very defined, like very well written goal and then reverse engineer. Okay, to be able to get there, what do I need to do? Okay, I need to do this. To be able to get there, what do I need to do? So like from here to top, top to back, you need to understand what you need to be achieving, what skills you need to be getting, what roles you might be getting into, who you need to network. And then follow that path is, I think, number one. And then my uncle actually told me this. Don't always seek for what is next. Okay, I did this. What is next? Okay. And I did that too, at time to time. But if you're very good at what you do, next opportunity will present it to yourself. So I think that's important to do, do your job well and give everything that you have keeping the work-life balance. I think that's very important. And then definitely ask for help, constantly improve yourself and ask for, like, again, never give up. It's it's determination. There will be ups and downs. I did the, I was the top performer. I was almost in a plan out of my company. I was laid off and I, you know, there all, there's no stable, like there's no one path. It's like ups and downs. It's just keeping the determination, persistency, and, you know, everything happens for a reason. And we just need to keep working and networking and getting there. I I don't know if that summarizes all. Oh, it does. Absolutely (laughs) does. (laughs) I love the answers. And I really think that we've had a great conversation today. And you really do have an inspiring career journey with tons of experience and so many different perspectives and and acts. So thank you so much, Naz, for sharing everything. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in. If today's episode inspired you, please share with a friend or on LinkedIn and give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify. For more information about us, visit our website at www.growthpartners.com. We specialize in recruiting top sales talents in the tech industry across Europe and the U.S. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, whether you're a talent seeking your next career move or an employer in the need of top talent.